0: Welcome to the Dig In Travel Podcast, where travel and other digital professionals level up their marketing skills by listening to the top industry experts. And now here's your host, Istok Franco, founder of digintravel.com, your number one resource for travel, digital, e-commerce, and
1: marketing. Hi, this is Istok and you're listening to episode eight of the Dig In Travel Podcast. Before we start with the podcast, Let me tell you I had some serious doubts about this episode. I recorded this talk with Nina Whitcomb from McKinsey just when the first cases of Covid-19 had been identified. And the impact for airlines wasn't as huge as it is now. You see, a few months before, Nina and her team at McKinsey published a very interesting report called Where is the value in airline retailing? So we talked with Nina about the report and their estimation of an annual value creation potential of almost $40 billion by 2030 for airline retail. However, so much has changed in the last 3 weeks that I knew the estimated values are not valid anymore. And I started to wonder if maybe even our whole interview was not relevant to publish anymore. I really didn't want to tell you how airlines should generate billions in ancillary revenue when all your plans are grounded and now our industry is facing a recession. But the more I thought about it, the more the things Nina talked about seemed relevant to me. The values and estimates will certainly be way different, as the airline industry will obviously not evolve as projected a few months ago. But beyond the estimates, I talked to Nina about the future of airline retailing, about ancillary revenue, key components of airline retailing, key challenges and talked about innovation. In my opinion, these are all things that will matter for you even more going forward. And now there was also one other thing from the McKinsey research that intrigued me the most. That was the part about future airline distribution and potential future retailing scenarios. And when I read a recent MIT Sloan article that explains what happens in situations like we are facing now, I started to think about this McKinsey future airline distribution scenarios. Basically what they said in the MIT article is, the bigger the decline, the more disruption we'll probably see. So some of these things McKinsey was projecting for the future in their report might happen way faster now. What seemed like a futuristic scenario only three weeks ago may look like completely different now. And that part of the McKinsey report and our talk with Nina is way more relevant now. Will consolidation happen? Will airlines become travel platforms? Will players like Google and Amazon take over? Check out the second part of our talk with Nina to hear more about these scenarios. And if you want to learn more, I have a bonus article for you on our Digging Trail website. I shared insights from the survey done by Mauricio Prieto, one of the co-founders of eDreams, where he tried to see how will the roles of airlines, OTAs, hotels, Airbnb, even Google and others change with this crisis. You can find the link to the article in the podcast notes. Now please enjoy the show. Hello, Nina, and welcome to the Digging Trail podcast. Hi,
0: everyone. that's a pleasure.
1: So, Nina, before we start digging into details of your recent paper that uh, you published, uh, Where is the Value in Airline Retailing, can you just briefly talk a little bit about your background, what you do now at McKinsey, and also I saw that you started uh, your career as an intern at Lufthansa, if if I'm not mistaken, right?
0: That's exactly right. Before joining McKinsey, I worked for Lufthansa and FedEx Express and, you know, now joined um, McKinsey about um, 10 years ago. I'm an associate partner based out of the Munich office and I do all my work in the aviation and travel and tourism space, essentially working with airlines, um, travel companies, intermediaries, technology companies, different players along the value chain.
1: Your paper, where is the value in airline retailing? Uh, To me, analyzing everything about airlines, about digital and retailing and ancillary revenue, it raised uh, a lot of uh, eyebrows seeing where you communicated the value that could be created by it. But before we dig deeper into the, where the value is. Can you talk a little bit? what was the reason? How did what is the story behind the paper? why, why, why did you start with it and uh, how did you uh, how, how was it created?
0: Well, actually a little bit out of curiosity because we saw a lot of airlines and, and a lot of uh, technology companies and, and just a lot of you know, press and media in the industry talk about this as the next big, big thing in the industry. but we were actually missing the um, quantitative analysis and so wanted to find out, And now we're all talking about this. We're all talking about this as a big revolution and, you know, a couple of investments that need to be done in order to get this um, up and running. But, you know, nobody's really spent a lot of time talking about the actual impact um, for the customers, for the airlines, for the technology architecture. So we wanted to spend a bit of time thinking about what actually drives value. And how do we think about quantification?
1: Just to sum up, for our listeners who haven't seen the report, and I'll put the link to the report in the show notes and in the article, supporting articles, so I encourage everybody to download it. But for the ones who haven't uh, seen it yet, What you identified as opportunity for our airline industry is like $40 billion in total or 4% of the industry revenue. I think you also calculated as $7 per passenger, the opportunity of of the retailing. Just uh, a little bit behind this number, how how did you do this quantitative analysis? And is this something that you calculated as on top of what airlines are uh, generating now as ancillary revenue? Or how was this, uh, let's say, estimation created?
0: Yeah. Um, so maybe um, just a quick summary of of some of the findings. So I think essentially, you know, we said we actually expect retailing, you know, once fully implemented, to really change, you know, customer engagement. So the ability to offer rich and differentiated content across you know a, a large and, and growing channel landscape it would lead to more seamless order fulfillment and also the creation of more dynamic offers that are typically more relevant uh, because they're tailored to the individual customer context and that typically leads to higher and also much more direct customer engagement more transparency about you know the product and just a greater variety of options and and higher relevance And, you know, overall, the whole offer creation process is is moving many airlines to a more modernized production environment, um, which I think are just, you know, fundamental um, changes with retailing. Now, for the value creation part, we actually calculated a number of scenarios based on, you know, NDC adoption, based on, you know, different strategies. What are airlines actually doing with these retailing opportunities? How are you translating that into actions? And then also how is it changing the competitive landscape and in the most favorable scenario um, where you're assuming, you know, NDC, one order dynamic offers will be implemented by 2030, the 40 billion U.S. dollars per year are actually the incremental value creation opportunity. So that's on top of where we are today. And just to put that into perspective, that's 4% of industry revenues or seven U.S. dollars per passenger. Maybe just to break this down a little bit further, 70% of that value creation is driven by additional revenues and roughly 30% by lower cost. And we do think that Roughly 60, 70 percent is generated through additional customer spend and 30, 40 percent um, actually represent shifts from shifts of value pools from other parts of the value chain. Now, one of the questions we've, we've, we've gotten very frequently was um, how much will be sustainable in that value creation? we do expect 40 50 percent of the value creation to be sustainable the rest of that being leveled out or competed away as you know it gets widely adopted but we do expect some benefits for the fast movers and so you asked about methodology and essentially we looked at the current industry um, the number of airlines the size the passenger volumes the revenues we segmented the, them into um, 15 different clusters, depending on their distribution strategies, technology spending, looked at growth uh, in the next couple of years, uh, looked at typical distribution strategies, and you know, basically um, looked at different drivers for adoption for NDC, one-order dynamic offers, and thereby calculated the different scenarios.
1: When you talked about sustainability, and that's uh, something... Uh that I'm curious about now listening to that, is this uh, similar to, let's say, early unbundling and the LCC's models and the ancillaries where the earlier adopters was were quick to the market and uh, were getting a lot of additional revenue by a new market share by adopting this unbundled model and being good at generating ancillary revenue? You see similar with this next step in retailing, if I'm not mistaken. So the early adopters who will be able to, let's say, take opportunity of uh, what you're talking about and uh, uh, implement the right systems, the right processes, the right, the right technology will gain similarly.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. We looked at analogies um, from the past, and I think your example is a good, good one to show how fast movers can differentiate. Um, the other case we looked at was the introduction of revenue management systems in the 70s and 80s. Where some of the early and fast movers were able um, to create value faster, and then roughly, you know, 40-50% of that was sustainable until, you know, these practices and techniques were widely adopted across the industry. So it wasn't sort of a source of differentiation anymore to the same extent, right? Of course, you know, there's still differences in revenue management, and of course, many ways to differentiate. Um, but the systems as such were avail- available for a larger audience, and. Um, We expect something similar for retailing, although the differentiation opportunity is is probably a little bit wider because many airlines also differentiate the heart, the physical product, the touch points, uh, the brand, the type of bundles. um, And that's all related with IP that is typically staying with the airlines. This podcast is supported by pros. Are you looking to optimize revenues across revenue management, retail and distribution? With more than 30 years of experience and a legacy in the airline industry, Pros provides AI-powered solutions that optimize selling in the digital economy. Pros customers, who are leaders in their markets, benefit from decades of data science expertise infused into our industry solutions. If you like this podcast, check out Pros special edition webinar, Rebooting Airline Digital Retailing on April 22nd, or visit the resource center at pros.com to access our special COVID-19 edition
1: content. If we go back maybe to the beginning, I think what you really showed nicely in your paper, when you explained why retailing at all, is this gap between what customers want and that the customers, let's say the passengers and airline customers want to engage. And then you have on the other side, of the picture, you have airlines who look to engage, who looks to have dialogue, direct consumer, uh, customer interaction with customers. But then there is a gap in between, and this gap is uh, mostly created by le- uh, legacy environment, some organization, and different distribution uh, uh, challenges. Can you talk a little bit about this gap? What is the key challenge currently for retailing?
0: and you know when you look at what customers are looking for right like more frictionless engagement um, clear information about products choice and variety more relevant content and then airlines who are trying to understand who's my customer what are they looking for how can i best um, address the demand or the booking request how can i you know keep in touch with my customers between the point of booking and the de- the point of departure there are plenty of opportunities if a customer is in the airline Um, environment, you know, booking a trip uh, directly with the airline channels, it's quite clear who the customer is, they've left information, um, they've left breadcrumbs, let's say, and it's have all the information to reach out again at a later point, offer, you know, additional content or additional services. So in my direct channels, None of this is a problem, right? It becomes a bit more challenging in the indirect channel environment. And of course, for many airlines, especially, you know, the large global carriers, the indirect channels are still quite important. It's difficult to reach a global customer base and in many different geographies through our own um, airline channels. And so we actually need to work with the ecosystem, with the agents, with the TMCs, um, in order to get the customers, um, meet the customers in their channel of choice, and get the get them to engage on the content, I would say first of all, this is a topic, especially for indirect. And there, I think the biggest challenges are that you know the number of channels and the number of sellers that airlines and customers engage with is just so big and so fragmented that this is quite hard to manage as a whole, right? So bringing fragmented demand with fragmented supply together, so is always sort of looking for um, some intermediaries and aggregators that are making the connection. The other challenge is that, um, you know, uh, the systems as they exist um, today, they've been around for quite some time and haven't been, you know, adapted to keep pace with that development um, and are hard to change because they're, Um, quite monolithic in in most cases and and very hard to entangle. And then I'd say that within the airline, um, a lot of the processes and a lot of the products, touch points, customer information actually sits in different silos in the organization. And that is oftentimes reflected in the systems architecture and in some cases, unfortunately, also reflected in how the airlines are interacting with their customers. So I'd say these are the these are the biggest drivers for the gap between what customers are looking
1: for and what they're going for. Okay, once we identify the gap, basically what are the key components of this retailing that we are talking about? In your paper, you said it includes, I think, three main components, NDC, one order, and dynamic on, uh, offers. Can you explain a little bit more how does this three create the retailing environment?
0: Yeah, sure. Um. Indeed, these are the... Three components um, that Ayata has architected and described um, when they set up or define retailing essentially reflected, you know, the practices, IT architecture, and sort of new industry setup. So the first element that we typically um, talk about is the new distribution capability. That is a just in technology standard, an XML-based language. That is allowing um, airlines to describe their products in a richer way and basically um, provide it to the indirect uh, sales and channel partners. Um, It's allowing to put these together in a more flexible way and and actually decide within the airline environment what gets put on the different shelves towards the customer. The second bucket, the dynamic offers, um, are essentially more um, contextualized, more dynamic offers based on each booking request. Um, an offer can include different components, what we know today as fare or as airline tickets, uh, right to fly, and then different types of ancillaries um, in today's world. In the future, we'll talk about, you know, offers and products generally that can be put together. In some cases, um, some airlines are based on are using branded fares as a type of dynamic offer or a step in that direction.
1: Like dynamic bundling.
0: Exactly. And some carriers are looking at, you know, entirely dynamic offers. So without any any static uh, rebundling, essentially.
1: I similarly look to NDC and One Order as a standard, as, as, let's say, technology standards that will allow us to, at the end, create what you're talking about with more dynamic offers, especially on the indir- indirect channels and through the uh, different distribution uh, ways that airlines are using now. You're also talking in your paper about uh, four key enablers. And one of them is technology and architecture. And I think these are the two that you card with, uh, I'd say a bit with uh, NDC and uh, One Order and all the technology that needs to support it. But the other three, organization, talent and skills and data, are the one that really then, once you have the technology fix, uh, figure out can enable, enable airlines to, to create this more dynamic offer. We talk a lot, about, a lot about personalization and things like that. In your view, which challenge uh, do you see as a bigger one? Technology and architecture or the, let's say, more softer ones in terms of organization talent and skills for the airlines?
0: Yeah, I think they're all a challenge and an opportunity at the same time. I think the opportunity in technology and architecture is that you can take that step by step. Um, In order to do simple bundling, it actually doesn't take so many changes to your architecture. So I think this one is, of course, challenging, but at the same time, in my view, very manageable because it can be phased over time. The organizational part and the talent and skill part um, are probably more long-term changes. On the organizational side, um, we currently still do see... Um, significant silos across the different functions and even within a functions let's pick the commercial function there are very many different roles and in some cases they're working on deeply technical topics and so there's no natural integration across let's say a customer journey or a customer value chain or even you know functional setup across you know customer experience steps i think you know moving from a you know technical or functional organization towards a more integrated one across the journey or across the um journey steps i think is going to be quite challenging because you actually do want to preserve that technical knowledge at the same time but also allow your colleagues to work with you know colleagues in operations at the different stations and airports and you know on the ground as well so getting all these flows um, together and designing the experience um, and you know, serving the customers in a more integrated and seamless way, I think is quite challenging and also has plenty of opportunities. And then in terms of you know, talent and skills, I think we will see um, a much broader and bigger mix of talent and profiles in the industry where we will probably start hiring from other sectors such as you know, the consumer goods or uh, the retail sectors, where um, you know the retailing expertise, the merchandise, the category management expertise actually sits, and bring that to the airline industry. So I wouldn't be surprised if in some airlines we'll see an SVP of retailing as a new senior function. Yeah, that and gets
1: added. actually, I we when we do the digital retailing research here at Digging Trail, we already see at some airlines some of the digital retailing roles appearing. But going back to the talent and skills, uh, I. St- I also see this challenge because even with technology and data, so we are a lot of airlines are focused on data. Even if we can identify, let's say, different segments, twenty different segments in our data on different uh, routes or on different markets, uh, and even if the the technology would allow us then to create twenty different bundles or offers, I think where we struggle a lot of times with, with these skills with. How to create uh, different communication, different 20 sets of communication and uh, different uh, sets of user experience, things like that. And this is, I agree with you, will take uh, long term. Yeah. Maybe one other thing that's also interesting, uh, in, uh, very interesting in your report, is maybe looking at the future of airline and trail distribution, where you identify the value and adoption scenarios in your paper, you're talking about future distribution and scenarios that will happen in our industry. I see airlines like Ryanair and AirAsia and Euro, Eurowings talk about becoming digital travelers' platforms. And you mentioned similar concepts of large airlines emerging into travel platforms in your report. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit what you were thinking with that?
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, And maybe one um, disclaimer on these scenarios. I mean, of course, we're not in the business and don't like to do crystal ball gazing, but actually scenarios are quite helpful when it comes to what is triggering, understanding what is triggering different outcomes um, and, um, you know, what's really driving change across Uh, three, four, quite distinct scenarios just to understand the sensitivities. Um, And that was the main reason um, for us to do the scenarios to see what's the impact on value creation. And let me maybe start with the one that we assumed is the most favorable scenario, where the large airlines emerge into travel platforms. Here, we're actually expecting wide adoption of the retailing practices across the industry by 2030. And the larger airlines You know, moving towards bundling different offers and products across uh, different steps of the traveler journey. There will probably be um, a few first movers that will be faster, but then also a couple of fast followers that will manage to um, move the majority of the customer interaction into their environment and also shift some of the spending on also non airline related travel products to their own platform. The other scenario that we discussed uh, that I think is worth briefly talking through the online intermediaries emerging as platforms. So in this scenario, you would believe that some of the intermediaries actually reach enough scale um, through consolidation, through um, better user experiences and value-added services that they're able to um, get a better understanding of the customer um, on any of their travel needs than an individual airline would ever be able to. And hence, um, with that additional information that they have, hence, um, I mean, they, they could be able um, to get into sort of different agreements with the airlines by saying, you know, we know so much more about these customers um, and we're um, better able to bring, you know, revenue revenue quality for you and customer satisfaction if we work together here. And so, yes, you're producing the offer, but, you know, why don't we work together on you know what data we're sharing so that we're really producing the best fit or the best offer for the customer and then last but not least and i think we get these questions from many people in the travel industry what's like the black swan scenario here what happens if we have a large greenfield platform entering the industry that is really sort of managing the customer interface and consolidating a lot of the flows and so here we would believe that this would probably be done by a, you know more technology-driven company um, that is very heavily focused on user experience, um, digital experience, digital. So you mean like
1: company like Amazon or Google?
0: Well, yeah, that's I mean just a name, but I think the those are the two that are typically the most quoted or asked for. But yeah, that would be the idea, um, you know. Uh, and I think you could take the online OTA or intermediary example a step further and say, okay, we know so much more about the customers, um, even in their daily lives, that we are the predominant, basically, interface for any kind of shopping request, whether that's travel, whether that's groceries or other things, that we're able to do this much better. And because we're we're, we're, we're able to um, understand demand so much better, we're also able to take commercial risk um, and basically... Um, and that's the big fear that we're hearing, um, squeezing sort of airlines to pure capacity and providers and operators where the full commercial operation and the pricing and the commercial risk would with
1: that platform. For airlines, probably, I would assume most would <laughs> prefer the, the first scenario where, let's say, large airlines or airlines would emerge into ter- uh, trail platforms. And I see a lot working to try to execute that. But to do that, I think... Uh, What's really important, especially in the digital world, is the innovation. And maybe to wrap up our conversation, I also saw you speaking about innovation in the past, talking about how we see, especially in our industry, these slow cycles of innovation. How can airlines change that? How can we innovate faster to maybe... uh, compete uh, compete in the future with greenfield platforms for travel or even intermediaries?
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. And, um, you know, when I did that talk back then, um, I think my main point was that the whole environment has just significantly changed, right? We have so much more data available than a few years ago. There's so much more processing power. The innovation cycles um, have become much, much shorter and much faster um, so I think the, the entire environment has, has actually significantly, has significantly changed. So there are a couple of success factors when we talk about innovation and aspirations. First of all, any innovation needs to come from a bold and plausible, um, so ambitious, but yet achievable aspiration that's supporting and matching the long term. So objectives. like a clear
1: strategy for innovation and vision.
0: Well, I mean, it's a, a clear strategy for the company and a clear aspiration. And so typically that it's, that aspiration needs to be ambitious and bold enough so that it pushes you to do things differently. So that's where typically innovation comes from. It's always hard to say we want to do innovation for the sake of innovation, but the most successful innovation strategies come from really bold and you know ambitious aspirations. Um, With a clear strategic objective that you can then translate into, you know, specific actions that are that are actionable and manageable. And you actually look at them as a portfolio. Um, You typically also create excitement around them to, you know, generate commitment um, from your colleagues and, um, you know, colleagues in the company. And then we typically, you know, look at types of initiatives and many of them are essentially clear ones around, you know, market expansion, growth opportunities. And then there's something that we, you know, in our research at McKinsey called the green box, which is typically the set of sort of an image for a set of initiatives that take companies to the next level, but beyond pursuing the typical innovation drivers that just <clears throat> needs to deliver through innovation. You can't just do it through addressing the right market trends, improving current performance or do M&A, but that gap to that ambitious aspiration just needs to be closed through, uh, through innovation.
1: Maybe to wrap up. First, thanks for all the really interesting insights. And uh, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, I will encourage everybody to look at your report and uh, learn more in details. We'll include uh, all the links to the report in the show notes and in the article. But to wrap out, maybe Nina, I usually ask this, uh, all my podcast guests, and especially in the uh, challenging times like now. How do you keep up uh, with uh, everything that's happening in the airline industry and especially in digital innovation? Personally, how do you learn? How do you how do you grow your knowledge?
0: Well, there's one very practical step, uh, which is I set aside um, 30 minutes a day to actually read through headlines um, and save you know articles for, for deep diving further when I have a quiet moment. Um, but then it's also simply by talking to a number of, of, of clients, uh, different players along the value chain to really get a an integrated perspective. And, you know, all the discussions and um, thoughts from the different um, clients and companies is, is very exciting. And, and bringing that together, thinking through a more holistic perspective um, for this industry is actually...
1: Yeah, I think uh, one thing that you mentioned already before, um, and I think this is something that uh, really adds value uh, for example consultants uh, like you having access not only to one industry but uh, different and see a little bit bigger picture what's happening and apply some of the principles to other industries this is something that i think it's very valuable then for the airline industry because we can as an industry learn from other verticals and then apply some of the things uh, and re uh, innovate or rethink uh, uh, a little bit about the things how we are doing it now
0: Yeah, exactly. That's right. Okay.
1: So uh, thank you, Nina. This was very interesting uh, talk. Uh, Congratulations on the great report and hope we'll see or learn a little bit more about the industry and the retailing from you and McKinsey in the future.
0: Sounds great. I look forward to that. Thank you so much for the interview. This podcast is brought to you by digintravel.com. DigIn In Travel is your number one resource when it comes to airline and travel digital marketing and e-commerce. Visit digintravel.com to find the latest digital trends and white papers with in-depth airline digital benchmarks.